Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. We have, um, we've been really deep into sci-fi the past few months, just with everything with Trek. And this is not a complaint. This is, yeah, this is just, this is a general (laughs) observation and a lead in in a way. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, strange new worlds Mm -hmm. Uh, as this drops, I think there's been some leaks of the Mandalorian season three trailer. I think so. Um, Thank you for sending me know. that. Yep. So we won't we won't yeah. go into it, but it looks very it very interesting. What There's what bad, what yeah. Brad's doing is we're 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 being honest. We're owning that we may have been monolithic in our focus for the past few months. Yes. Well, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just I'm also bringing up the fact that I also happened to catch some of the Ahsoka trailer. Um. Uh, what, which, you don't have my number anymore. Yeah, I, I saw it yesterday and then yesterday. Oh, okay, was busy, okay. So I will yeah, send it to you. Please. Um, it is a little it is a little fuzzy, but there are some interesting shots in it that I think make it a very compelling show to watch. And story of my been, life, but go and on. it has been, yeah, I know it has been confirmed yeah. that Hayden is going, Hayden Christensen will be in Ahsoka. I think I read that and it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Kenobi clearly was setting it up. I mean, you had said that to me. Yeah. And I and I'll be honest with you, I I love the fact they brought back Hayden because I think he got he was the underrated. Don't he get me got wrong. the I mean, shaft because of dialogue in yeah. in the prequels. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean now, I mean everyone is making. I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil Obi Wan for those that that haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Um, there are shirts out there that say Anakin is dead. I'm what remains. Yeah, that that was a good scene, but uh, man, I've got sand in my toes. I, I don't know where that get... came from, but well, yes, you do. We're not going to be. We're not going to be able was, to edit that out. That was but... that was the dumbest, most berated piece of dialogue in the prequels of Anakin with Padme maybe... complaining about being in the sand, and he gets in his in between his toe. I mean, it was just uh, remember that was like the nadir, right? Yes. That was the nadir of Star Wars writing. Yes. Anyways, okay. we're off to a off to a well, strong start. Point, point about, being, yeah. point being is is that is that I've. I have, um, you and I both have, I mean, we started doing this with fantasy, with high fantasy. Um, we started with D&D. We started with D&D. Yeah. And we have been in the sci-fi world. We're going to go back. Trust me. That's our, that's our, it's where we our, live. Yeah. That's where we live. But with everything that's gone on the summer with releases mm-hmm. and the material that we're seeing in Twitter mm-hmm. land, um, and, and the one, before, the, the one ring. Oh, sorry, the, po- yeah, the power of the the power. Oh, sorry, no, no, no. Actually, no. That's not where I'm going. You're holding up the one ring, which you talked about. Yeah. Um. And uh. And we'll talk about Yours. in our interview. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking actually of the power of the ring coming out on Prime. Oh yes. To bring Tolkien back, which is only a couple months away. So so fantasy is very much back on our radar. And I and I actually put you and I have you and I have some methods that we use to document progress that you you started thankfully, um, and then I just added some items on there. One of the yeah, things I think we should talk about in a few future episodes is just the idea of token and Tolkien and non sci-fi fantasy that got us rolled back into this. What kind of caught us? And obviously, for many, yeah, that's it's a Lord really of the Rings. good idea. Y- you know? Yes, yes, but yes. 
there's also, you and I have talked, and we'll talk more about this in this episode, the next one. We've been doing some reading outside of the sci-fi realm. I know we talked about it a little bit before the uh, episode started. Um, but you found yes, an interesting book. Oh, yeah. And and it's it's let's be honest, it's somewhat rare that when it comes to this genre. That I'm the one who says you got to read this. Yeah, 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 you're more yeah. you're you can you can run rings around me in any other genre out there. Oh no, um, no, but no, 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 but you know what I mean. You're, fantasy you will is a recommend. Real, yeah, yeah, you will recommend to me ten to one just because we both live in other worlds. But yeah, you have your your job and your just your DNA and who you are. Is, I read a lot. You read a lot, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way. No, no, I no, and 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 you know, uh, lest lest our listeners think we are always besmirched by fiction. At least 80% probably, I mean, if I look at my bookshelf right now, my my happy view, um, 95%, not, well, no, 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 80% is nonfiction. I'm not a big fiction reader, but science fiction is the exception to that. But where you're going is I picked up a book on yeah. fantasy, high fantasy. And you know, thank you to the Twitterverse, to the RPG Twitterverse, this wonderful community you and I have talked about so much, because someone put, someone posted something, and they posted with the title, and the title grabbed me, and I checked it out, and it was like, I have to read this book, even if it's a wash. I love the concept. I have to read this. Yeah, and so, um, you 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 know. Intro the book because because I'll be honest with you when okay. you when you said it to me first yeah you were like what <laughs> yeah yeah I was I I did I I was in, intrigued by it. you finished it before I did yeah um, in fact I'm still in it now okay um, based off of your recommendation and Good. I was Good. I was earlier on into it when we had the interview that we're doing now which was just yeah. a couple yeah. Of days ago yeah yeah you know, I'm playing the fourth wall here folks but you know you, we've never done that before. No, we're in a we're in a schedule now where it'll change in the next few weeks, but we tend to be recording the week of release, which is not yeah. normally. And uh, a week from now, we're back to sanity, and we're yes. going to slide through the rest of the summer in the fall with a healthy recording schedule. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know what you you and I both did some traveling. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we had we had good all good things family things coming that's going right. on that's right so we just we you know real life didn't get in the way real life took took its its required priority that's right yep and now we're we're back into the sketch okay so i remember texting you i'm i just bought i just got this book it's it's wonderful you have to read it and and the way you responded i might have read into this but the way you responded um was really incredulous at the time. I, I mean, I basically got the response of, are you being serious or is this a joke? And it's like, no, no, this is this is really good. So uh, thanks to the Twitterverse, the RPG Twitterverse. Thank you all out there. Uh, someone posted, and I do not remember who or what it was or, or we would attribute it, but someone posted a picture of a cover of a book called Legends and Lattes. Well, I mean, that got my attention right away because those are two things I very much enjoy. Not not actually lattes. I, I think I can count the number of lattes I've ever had on one hand. Not so much you read, but I, no. I, I, I'm, I've never been a fan. But just the fact that it was, it suggested high fantasy and coffee, I'm like, tell me more. Mm -hmm. So I looked into it. 
I looked it up and and the synopsis is this is not a spoiler. And let's face it, many of you listening or all six of you listening, whichever is closer to the truth. Uh, and thank you for that. Um, many of you listening undoubtedly are already aware of this book. Um, its author has been making the circuits. Its author has spent all weekend in book signings uh, back in, in Seattle. Um, we we mandated we luck out with this one, but to get not to get ahead of myself. So the premise of the book is you have middle-aged isn't quite right, but you have a a a midlife. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that helps, but you know, like yeah. a like an early, early, early middle age, right? Um, barbarian woman orc who decides she's basically who has a midlife crisis, who decides I've had enough with the life of a warrior of being a barbarian. I I'm going to open a coffee shop. I read that, Brad smiling. Mm-hmm. I read that and I'm like, I'm in. Even if this book sucks, I have to read this. It does not suck. It is such a delightful read. It was such for, I, I could, rarely can I not put a book down. Uh, I had a hard time putting this down. I I, I, I had a slow start initially just because I was busy the first few days after it came. And then once my, my evenings opened up a bit, I just plowed through it it was so much fun and as you'll hear from the interview uh with travis baldry the author uh it never quite went where you expected it it was it it's not a hyper complex it's not an overly complex story but it's also not a simple story it really stayed true and i'm not going to say anything more because i mean we know what's coming in the interview travis lays this all out but it is a highly recommended read and i will i will turn this back over to you my friend just making sure we mention this um, in our interview meeting, Travis, uh, he is just a lovely person. Oh, um, yeah. He like, like, I mean, like you and I, we've, we've, we've talked now over these many episodes, we've had the real fortune of, of talking with truly fascinating people. And every one of them has seemed like a legitimately good person. Everyone. Oh yeah. Uh, however, a few of them have stood out as really being something special as people. Like I think of the balls, right? Beth and Jonathan. Um, they just stood out as as just truly good, lovely people. Travis really, Travis really stood out as just a really cool guy, a really good guy. And the more we got into the interview with him, um, the more I think we were both convinced of that. And and listen to his background. All of our guests mm-hmm. have unique backgrounds. That's what's so fascinating to me is that these are people that um, came from, you know, all sorts of different realms. We have folks who, who a lot of them have. There's been a theme, I will say, that the a lot Harry of them wanted to song, write. All my yeah. life's a circle. Yeah. yeah, and oh my goodness, I, that, you're the first person other than me that will quote Harry Chapin because you're the one who who turned me on to him years and years ago when I was still in Milwaukee. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense then. Yep. That would be why someone else quotes it. Because I called um, you at a Best Buy needing help. I could hear the song. I had no idea who wrote and sung it. And I wanted to get the album for my at the time girlfriend, who's now my wife. And you're like, oh yeah, that's Harry Chapin. Here's the album. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with, that's another story for another day, but I grew up with some really cool 
music yeah, you that did. you know mm-hmm. and and i like you know a lot of folk john denver and stuff and so okay that being said um travis has such a cool background um you know you could read it online he he you know game and software developer owns a game company you'll talk a bit about that um got in, got into yeah. being in effect you know works as a professional reader for and narrates audio it's a professional narrator and a successful one even though that like he never went into acting or produ- like none of that stuff yeah he said he said he just kind of it, it, it i don't want to say fell into it but it kind of introduced itself to him yeah. and it outside of what he expected and he's got the voice and then he too. got into this yeah. book yeah. and the book oh. the I don't know how to explain it just from my perspective. It is one of these books where it is it is light, fair, and I don't mean that in terms of plot no, or no. anything like that. It is just a good read. It is something a little different than um, probably what you've read lately, if you haven't read this. And um, I, I am going to spoil. I am going to spoil because Travis talks about potential future writings. I am oh, you excited. There? Yeah, oh, so, I'm just excited so to see. Yes, I'm excited to see what what he's going to do next for book two, which is already confirmed yes. to be a thing. So yes. pleased about that. So this is one of those writers that if he if he's not on your um, radar, he should be. He should be. And if his audio work, you know, Jason and I both said we we tend to be more readers than listeners yeah. when it comes yeah. to audio material. Yeah, but. Um, I have his some of his audio books because he talks about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have them on my list in Amazon so that at some point when I get through my um, copious reading stack, right? Your backlog. Yeah, my right. backlog. Right. I'm going to use the tech term, right. my backlog. Then I will. You'll uh, submit a ticket and listen to yeah. this, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I, I thanks to you, um, finding the book and then reaching out to Travis and then thank you, Travis, for joining us. Um, we have a pleasure now of talking with Travis Baldwin. Travis Baldry is a full-time audiobook narrator who has lent his voice to hundreds of stories. Before that, he spent decades designing and building video games like Torchlight, Rebel Galaxy, and Fate. Apparently, he now also writes books. He lives in the Pacific Northwest with his very patient family and their small, nervous dog. All right. Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We've really been looking forward to talking to you. Um, Obviously, love the book and want to get into that. But um, you've got a really varied history, just a really interesting background that only more recently involves writing what looks like it's turning out to be just a hit novel. Um, what's, if it's not too big of a question, what's the road to all of a sudden being like acclaimed, certainly in social media for Legends and Lattes? I mean, how did you get to writing that book? Where did it begin? Well, it certainly sounds like I bumbled into it. You know, if I say any of it, it's going to sound like I just stumbled across it um, because that's probably pretty accurate. So um, I'm a full-time audiobook narrator. That's what mm-hmm. I do every day. I read other people's books out loud. I love it. It's great. Um, I always wanted to write a novel. I've been doing National Novel Writing Month on and off for years and years and wow. years, and I'm awful at it. So I've never finished before, and this is the first time I finished. Wow. Um, and so I really, I just, I just wrote the book for National Novel Writing Month. I just did it last November, and it was 
finally, hooray, I got done. Um, And the genesis of the idea was honestly kind of a joke. Um, And then I didn't write it as a joke when it actually came time to write it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I read, as an audiobook narrator, I read a lot of adventure fiction, like, you know, progression fantasy, stuff like that. Will White's Cradle series is probably what I'm best known for. Mm -hmm. But it's lots of white dudes who are, you know, between the ages of 18 and 30 who are fighting world-ending threats, and it's all really high-intensity stuff. And so I was like, you know, it would be really funny? A Hallmark movie in the Forgotten Realms. That sounds really nice right now, you know? fantasy chicken soup um and i was just joking around about it but that ended up being the the genesis of the idea for it was like what if it was just i just have this really recognizable sort of like fantasy vibe but it's just about the people who aren't beating anything up in fact nothing dies in the book except for the first sentence so right and it was a very simple story and it was something i understood how to write so i wrote it um and it was fun i mean Mm -hmm. it was writing his work you know mm-hmm. that <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was it was fun and i enjoyed doing it um as far as publishing it because i work with authors all the time i wanted to go through the process that they go through so i was like well i will i'll go through an edit and i will get a cover designed and i will really sit through amazon kdp and it'll be just kind of a fun thing and then i will move on with my life yeah so and then it went in different directions <laughs> Well, and now, I mean, so, cause that's what I have, right? Like very, I mean, I, th- that's the copy I believe that I have cause Tor picked it up. Tor has, and they have not republished the paperback yet. So the paperbacks right. are all mine and right. taken over ebook and audio at this point. But they are going to be releasing it again, right? Yes. In yeah. like a few months. So like November 8th, the yeah. new okay. paperback version comes out. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Cause obviously, you know, in the sci-fi and fantasy realm, they're Tor huge. is awesome. I mean, my God. Look and at the, the people others. there are cool. And really? I get to work with both tours. I get to work with Tour UK and Tour US, who are totally different. Oh, I had no idea. Really? I didn't know that either until now. So uh, Tour UK is actually the ones that acquired it. And then Tour US <laughs> bought US rights from Tour UK. So I work with two different sets of tour editors that are not okay. working for the same tours. So so this this makes sense and this helps me because I now I remember I had seen when I saw that Tor picked it up, I noticed it was quote unquote British. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, how interesting. Yeah. A Brit. I didn't and, know that at all. You and know. well, but I just assumed you were British. Right. I mean, why else? I'm and so then not. <laughs> you, you were right. And then I listened to I've listened to a few of the of, uh, other interviews with you. And the first one I'm like, not British. Definitely not British. British. <laughs> no, My no. agent is British. And so Zine. I didn't have an agent before this either. Agents contacted me, which is the only reason this is happening. Because yeah, I wouldn't, okay, it was not right. a twinkle in my eye. I was, I never went to, okay. I'm going to go shop this to tour. Right. What do I know? Um, but yeah, yeah. So it, it was all very unexpected and strange to me. And, and wonderful, <laughs> it seems. It's really cool. I am nothing but grateful and, you know, kind of polaxed by the whole thing. Yeah. I, I, again, I feel like I bumbled into it, yeah. but I'm, I'm going to be happy that I bumbled into it. It's been really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just I've met all kinds of cool people as a result. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very different than anything I've ever done before. So if we might let's let's talk about the story and the characters a bit because we're really curious about your thinking in terms of what drove some of this. I mean, again, sure. I've I've read some of the the interviews with you, so I, I have a little bit of insight. But 
like you had mentioned something just a moment ago, how other than that, I thought that wonderfully D and D ish opening scene, right? Yeah. No, no one dies. And the whole way through the book, I was waiting for your protagonist Viv to just say, screw this. Pick up the sword. Exactly. I mean, and you, and you set up the imagery at multiple points along the way where it just would have been completely, it seemed in character. And yet you didn't do that and she didn't do that. And so, like you said, I mean, it might not be like this super, super deep character study. And yet I really felt that it was rather philosophical from start to finish. Like, like I thought to me, it read like, okay, we're seeing these deep thoughts. We're seeing this evolution of an individual through this character who wouldn't have the internal vocabulary, right? The internal metrics to really explain what she was experiencing. And yet she's showing us this yeah. growth, whether it's in the individual and her actions and in her inactions in her relationships. Um, side note on that too, loved the diversity that was just subtly dropped everywhere through the different races, through the genders, through just very, very cool and all. Um, but but I mean, if you if you're willing, if you're interested, maybe talk a little bit about that character, about about how you know how were you able to write in like that voice and then then evolve it? I mean, it was convincing to me. Um, I mean, a lot of it's me and just thoughts that I specifically have had. Obviously, I've had a kind of a different sorts of careers and changed careers late yep. in life. Yep. Um, and come from one group, one whole world to another one that for me was like a big change in like diversity and mm -hmm. just the tone of it and yeah. why people did what they did. Yeah. And I didn't do it until I was in my 40s. So yeah. it was immediately relatable yeah. to me. I made video games for decades. Mm -hmm. It's a very white guy, non-diverse industry overall. Mm -hmm. It's pretty monolithic. Um, and when I left it to go into audiobook stuff, it's that's very that's the book people and people who perform and it's super diverse. Okay. You know, there's it's you you're gonna run into everybody. Wow. And that's like almost it's like a, a really kind of pleasant culture shock. Yeah. As and and also really welcoming. And so I a lot of things were running in through my mind at the time about how valuable it was to me and how much fuller my life felt being around people who were different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um and just being grateful that I was able to do it, that I was that it was not too late, and that I was able to do something else that I never thought I would do. I I don't have a background in acting, I don't that's not I don't, or voice acting or any of it. It was never a twinkle in my eyes, so it wasn't like this long held dream. I had nothing to do with it at all. So the switch was again kind of like Viv is just like I'm just going to go do something totally unrelated to anything I ever planned to do. Um, uh, so that's that's kind of the the basic. That, that's basically where that kind of thematic stuff came yeah, from. Yeah, and then yeah. it gets echoed in all the characters. They're all going against type. Even the even the coffee shop is against type. It was a stable, but now it's not. Oh, so yes. everything is against type. Seriously. Um, yeah. So I didn't I didn't really initially set out to do this. So like I said, I it was kind of this jokey idea. Oh, I just want mm -hmm. the cozy, cozy fantasy. But it pretty rapidly became that, mm -hmm. which is especially odd because I outlined the book. I outlined the book and it wasn't there. And I still wrote to the outline. It followed the outline really closely. A few chapters got added, but there's just, it turns out there's a lot of latitude inside there that yeah. ended up, that's, that's what got expressed. 
That's that's so interesting. I, so how did you get into the audiobooks and the voicing if you didn't yeah. have any? I mean, normally when you hear about that, very often, right, these are voice actors, they can't yep. theater or whatever. You just decided one day, no, I'm, I'm good with video games, I'm going to do this now. Well, it's going to sound ridiculous, but I, I read to my kids a lot. I like reading out loud, but I read to my kids. You know, I like to do the voices, read Harry Potter, you know, do my version of Robbie Coltrane, all that stuff. So I enjoyed that. Um, but as a game developer, I, I needed to do lots of voice work. I had to get a lot of voice work done, and I didn't mm -hmm. want to rent studio space, so I bought the equipment yeah. to do it. Yeah. And then I stumbled across ACX. I was like, oh, I could make audiobooks, and my kids don't want me to read to them anymore. Yeah, maybe I'll do this for fun. You know, mm -hmm. I like I like doing it. So I ended up doing it and it turned out I was reasonably good at it. So I kept doing it and I kept enjoying doing it. Mm -hmm. And eventually I switched completely to doing it. I just sort of yeah. coasted down on games and said, OK, I'm done doing that now. I guess I'm just going to do this full time um, because the wheels started to come off the ground. And I was I've never regretted that. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned you mentioned before we clicked record that that, I mean, you're doing this daily and you're booked out a few years. Yeah, I'm really fortunate on the audiobook front. Incredible. I get lots of work and I love doing the work. Um, it's it's just a really cool industry. Um, the nice thing about it is that it's also limited. And one of the reasons that you get booked out is you can't actually overwork yourself past a certain point. There's only so many hours of audio you can record a day before your voice gives out. Sure. So there's like a certain, like, there's a, there's a governor on it. <laughs> You can literally only record so many hours of of audio in a month, and that's it. And you can't double up, and you can't work an extra eight hours just to squeeze a little more in. Right. You can do what you can do. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you find yourself, because I'm so, I mean, I don't think, I don't know, maybe you know more about this, Brad, than I do, but uh, is there a lot of editing and and retakes on your end? So it's generally done as part of the narration. So when you mess up as a narrator in modern times, you do what's called punch and roll, where you just stop, you move the playhead back, and it does a little pre-roll, and it just picks up neatly, and you start speaking at the point where you made an error. So generally when you're done, the audio is the final audio. You'll have errors. I pay somebody else to proof for me. They'll go check it against the text. They give me a timestamp, tell me what I did wrong. I go wow. fix those things. Wow. And then there's like a mastering step, which is, is just a batch that you run. Um, there's various levels of editing for people who have different facility for narration. Oh, you've got yeah, yeah. ragged breaths or you've got a dog barking. But I record in this one and a half ton booth and there's not a lot of dog barks in my audio. So um, a lot of I don't spend a lot of time editing, basically. It's mostly okay. just narrate all the time. And uh, but you always have to have somebody else proof your work because you're for the same reason that you get somebody else to edit text, yeah, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. see your own mistakes. How critical are you? Do you listen to yourself? Um, in early days, I would listen. To, I mean, I'm listening to myself all the time. But um, in early days, I would listen back. Now I'll listen back to like the sample because that's all I got time for. Um, and it's you're always refining. I mean, I always have something I'm working on. Usually most most days it's like pacing, but or maybe it's a new accent, you know. Oh, wow. I have to do South African now. Pfft. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work on that or I, because there's accent work that fits into it, you know, you're always, and, and characterization, maybe I really need a new character voice that's going to evoke this character. Well, I'll practice that a little bit. So there's always something to do yeah, and yeah. books. The nice thing is books are always different. Like every book is a new book, right? You're not reading the same book a billion times. Mm -hmm. So you still have that kind of enjoyment of always having new reading material. 
the difference is it's not always what you would pick yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I of, was wondering about that. A lot of it is kind of finding your way in if it's not your favorite book, like finding out, well, whose favorite book is this and what are the things that I love about it and what do I think the author loves about it and trying to make sure that comes out, which is its own, you know, aspect of the of the job. Yeah. It's not just reading a book. I mean, it's, oh, no. it's literally yeah. the work that you have to put into it. And the running joke amongst us is Jason and I are really good at accents if they are all Scottish, right? Yeah. Yes. Other than right. that, you know. Yes. Yep. You know, well, I got want, a lot of you want a British accent, you know, and it people write in. You people, <laughs> authors have like a nervous tick. They always write in the dwarves is Scottish, and it's not just the voice actors. They write it in. There's you're going to see the lass and the I and the you know. Oh my God! Yes. and they will all show up. And then you're like, okay, well, I guess that's what the dwarf is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is probably a stupid question, but who's going to narrate your books? Well, I did. Already? I already narrated mine. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm told, I, I shouldn't admit this. I, I haven't listened to an audio book since like it was a new concept. They're really good now. I, that's, really I've heard it's now. incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a vast array of narrators, you know, and there's all different skill levels and all different approaches, but you can get some pretty incredible narration these days. So yeah, I narrated my own. And so cool. I mean, basically when I'm writing, I'm narrating in my brain. Yeah. Um, one of the things about narrating other people's books is that you learn a lot about what you would write because it's, you're processing what's mm -hmm. on the page and retranslating it. You can't skim anything, right? If you read a book that you and there's a part that's boring to you, you just skim it in your brain. You're just kind of like glassing over it. But when you read yeah. it out loud, you can't do that. Right. You have to wring everything out of it. So you really quickly discover what you like and what you don't like, which is, it's almost like going to, um, to like a, uh, a, a class where you're reading, everybody's reading their work aloud and you're all critiquing mm -hmm. each other, mm -hmm. except you're doing that every day for like five or six hours all the time. It's kind of amazingly valuable. <laughs> That, but that sounds, I mean, yes, I believe that, but that sounds especially intense as well. It can be. I mean, some, one of the books I did recently was like the last nine hours of the book was one extended action sequence. And it was, it was, took great stamina to finally make my way through. But oh then sometimes it's a book that has three characters and all they're doing is talking at a coffee shop or something. So the, the level of difficulty and like, physical stamina required varies really yeah. widely. Mm -hmm. It's one of the nice things about like romance is usually it's like a small number of characters. <laughs> Nobody probably has a weird accent and the stakes are relatively low. So, and the book is probably not more than like six or eight hours long. So they're like these nice. little fun, nice things. Two, two nerdy questions. So the first one is, do you read through And Maybe I didn't think I heard this. Do you read through before you start narrating? So the generally accepted thing is that you need to read the book before you narrate it. What I do is I skim it because yeah. um, the main reason for reading it is finding things out that you need to know that you have to know ahead of time. Like the character shows up and it doesn't mention they have an Irish accent until the last 10 pages or you don't find out what age they are until later. And if you make a misjudgment based on information that comes later in the book, then you mess up the characterization, you know. Oh, he was supposed to be 80. I've been voicing him like he's 12. Oops. You know, you don't want to do that. So you need to have that information or you just shoot yourself in the foot. Mm -hmm. Some people think that you need to take, for them, it works that they take a lot of notes. They will annotate their scripts with things that are important to them. They'll color code dialogue. I don't do any of that. I just, I basically, I skim it ahead of time. I make sure I get a list of all the things I don't know how to pronounce because I read a lot of yeah, fantasy yeah. and sci-fi and there's made up words. 
So yeah. I usually send those off to the author and they'll tell me how to, mm. you know, I, here's how I think I should pronounce this. Please correct it for me. And I find out character notes. Who's going to accent? Who's, how old are they? What kind of person are you? And that's all I get. So usually I don't know how the story turns out because why do I need to know that? Yeah. Ultimately, it's like yeah. if I knew, if I was reading a mystery and I knew who the bad guy was, would that make me read the mystery better? No. I would probably yeah. tip the hand. So yeah. it's like that information isn't useful. The most useful information is what's happening for the listener or the reader right this very instant. Because at home, you don't, you don't read ahead in the book either. That's not how you read right. a book. So it's mostly just that preparation. Yeah. So, so on the note of preparation and stamina, we have to ask, what are your thoughts about coffee? I will say it, reading, I kept thinking to myself, this guy has got to love coffee. It I came across, it came across with a lot of passion to coffee, which honestly is one of the things that pulled me into the book. I do love coffee. I drink at least three cups a day. I used to drink more. I can't now, if not, if I want to sleep, um, <laughs> I have one of those Terra cafe things where I don't know what that get, is. It's a, uh, it's a espresso machine. It's an automated espresso machine that grinds oh. the beans and does the stuff for yes, you. So yes, you don't yes, have yes. to know how to make it. Um, my wife and I got one for each other for our, oh God, what, what anniversary is this? 20, um, <laughs> 20, <laughs> 25th anniversary, I think. Wow. 25th, 20, yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, I love it. I use it constantly. I like good coffee. Um, I also like bad coffee. I, I just like coffee. <laughs> uh, I like the smell of it. I like, I, I like the ritual of it. Yeah. It's nice. I like yeah, no, I, I, you're preaching to the choir to, to both of us. You really are. And I think what one of the things I enjoyed so much reading in the book was the that multisensory aspect. Like it really did feel like you were in a coffee house in those scenes because of the smell and because of the sounds. And it's like, how how does this work in a D&D &D world? But I don't care because I want to be at this cafe. <laughs> they well, I think it will find a, way to the, That's right. find a way to the D&D &D world with us. I think you know what always happens though in fantasy is they make up some coffee analog. It's going to be called claw or calf or something. Right. They're always trying to cram it right. in there with some weird word. Yes. It's just coffee. It's just coffee. You know, you know what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, um, uh, you said you said off air it was okay for us to ask this because we. Oh no! Nope. Well, okay. Before you do, I wanted to ask. So, okay. silly question. Now that you've, I've, I've lost my, my mode. I was just going to say. So, you obviously are in part of the country that is for those of us in the Midwest. Assume is like the land that coffee hath made, out there in the Washington area, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. yeah, Pacific. So, is there going to be a Legends and Lattes blend from? Oh, not know, that I'm aware of. Not there should be. If anyone listening to this has the power to make that happen. Starbucks has not called me yet. Yeah, yet. Yet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can you can listen. I know they have the they they'll play audiobooks over it's even a, instead of music here where I am. So mm -hmm. you never know. I might have heard you and not even realized it. So maybe there's a legends well, and lattes blend coming. The eminent so. <laughs> I oh god. Okay. Well, speaking of what's coming, so uh, off air, you had mentioned something to us, which I find very exciting. Uh, this is not going to be your last book for sure. Yes. Correct. Correct. I'm working on the other one now. And is there anything we can ask you about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I can tell you the general gist. Um, yeah, please. uh, so my idea for sequels is that it's kind of more of like a disc world kind of sequel situation yeah. where every story is a standalone and has different main characters. Awesome. 
um, and people might show up. So this one is about um, uh, an elf. She's in. She's 577 years old, and it's later in her life, and uh, she has kind of like a sort of a himbo slash chef slash bodyguard named Burke, and there's a little... Uh, uh, it's called a griffith. It's basically like a pug and an owl griffin. They're very small. Okay. He's incredibly mm-hmm. stupid, and his name is Pot Roast. And it's going to be, there's <laughs> kind of some mystery elements set in the same city. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm, I'm fumbling my way through it now, but that's, that sounds really cool. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> completely terrified. Just completely terrified. Um, because it's, you know, I, it's not like I have a, a big sample size of like success. Yeah finishing yeah. anything <laughs> yeah well but and, and yet i mean you know the difficult is the future to see right but like i look at what's happening with with your first book and like i said to brad a, a week or so ago uh about it and about you like this is kind of like andy weir stuff like here's this book that comes out and people have noticed and all of a sudden it's all over um so hopefully yeah it's, it's really crazy to me you know i've if nothing else happens, I would I would be happy. Yeah. If even if the next book is just an abject failure, I'll just go back to audiobooks. I'll crawl back into my hole. It'll be okay. I won't have retroactively ruined this book. It'll be fine. I still worry about it, but yeah, I I just feel so lucky to have even yeah, had yeah. one that anybody bothered to read or care about. I get fan art. It's nuts. So I mean, I don't I don't know how to cope yeah. with that. It's too it's cool. It's too nice and it's too unexpected. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. As long as it's rated G fan art, right? It's all been rated. It's yeah. all been rated. It's all been nice. Part of the thing is that the book is basically about people being nice. It, so it seriously is. the The response is mostly people being nice. Yeah. So it, I don't know if that's it's just self fulfilling that way, but it's I, been it's been nice. I'm going to say nice for the third time. We look, but that, but but we need a lot more of that these days we need nice. locally and globally and and just on that point even the fan art and I, I i i really liked the cover i mean the artist who i i thought that was just wonderful and as as you know as the father of two teenage or young women uh being able to read a book about an orc barbarian and leave that around the house or they can see me reading it it's this again to use your word it's this nice imagery with this story that does have a number of messages and even though it's fantasy is kind of to me dipped in reality um but they can see that and it's welcoming and it's not off-putting and it's not sexualized and all the other stuff we often get in fantasy yeah right i really appreciate that there's a lot of boobs and yep you know boats mm-hmm. and baldricks and in, in fantasy <laughs> yeah yeah seriously <laughs> And I, and I'm, I'm in my forties. I just don't, I don't care anymore. I don't, I'm not interested in that. You know, yeah. that sounds lame. I, I, no, it's not like I don't have like, I don't care about life and and mm-hmm. adventure and and, you know, the the things that I cared about when I was a kid is just the lens through which you see them is just so different That's as right. you get older. You know, mm-hmm. the things I really am interested in are people that are interesting. Like, yes, you know, I find like the idea of like really pretty people being hollow is really, really depressing to me. I just like, it just like makes me unhappy. So I just, I just want to know about people that I actually might want to talk to. <laughs> I, I, I think, I mean, I'll speak for Brad too. I think we're probably Brad both in wide 
agreement. I mean, little things like, um, like I've been watching religiously uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, right? We talk about I love Star- it. Yeah. Every time, e- incredible Trek, every time I see a character on Strange New Worlds, a male or female or whatever, who's a little or a lot pudgy, I'm like, this is awesome. This is a real person. It's not a model who they've recruited as a backfill character. Yep. This is a start, right? To, uh, it, to me, it's the same thing, right? There's actually meaning here. They're, 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 yep. it's, it's going somewhere. One of the other things I love about it is that the people act like adults. They act like adults who are responsible and can figure out their problems. Yes. And it doesn't feel like all the drama is calibrated around how a 16-year-old would act. That's right. You know, I, 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 for whatever reasons, I, en- I enjoyed the first season of Discovery. But overall, like the drama is so teenage for me. It's so mm-hmm. yeah, over yeah. the top mm-hmm. and nobody feels like they're responsible or professional or that they've got their stuff together. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody mentioned about this book that it felt like competence porn. And for me, that, that felt like really like accurate to me. And that's part of the reason I like Stain, Strange New Worlds is because it feels yes. like competence porn. All these people are good Excellent. at doing their jobs yeah. and maybe they'll make mistakes, but yeah. they're innately good at doing something. Yep. And they're proud of being good at doing it. And mm-hmm. they work together like people who want to work together, which is yeah. in, which is weirdly refreshing. Yes. Yes. Really well said, too. Totally agree. I want to ask about your the software background. I want to step back. But I, you mentioned we talked about this a little before we recorded. Um, you were writing this, I think, if I remember correctly, you said kind of at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, that obviously... It, you know, you talked about it. And there's a direct relation to what you were writing at the time based off of that. That played into the book, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, because for me, uh, I just... So it, it felt the fantasy is usually escapist fiction and the escapist fiction here for me was the idea of being in a nice place that I want to be with other people who I can see and relate to and have a cup of coffee and a baked good. And that that was really rare at the time it's still reasonably rare yes um but it felt it's like it was like an essential thing that you just don't have for like two years um and so it was just nice to write about it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i think like you like we like you said before and you said nice three times but i think we need more nice i think you know Mm -hmm. i think we had a lot of not nice for a couple years it was you know we're probably close in the same age so we all we all grew up we never thought we would have gone through 2020 or 2020 part one, 2020 part two, or 2020 part three. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, so software background. So obviously that's where you you really kind of got your career started. Yep. Um, doing software development, game development, and so on. And, and I think I mentioned before, I have some, I've, I spent a lot of the time playing Torchlight back in the day, especially that's when it. it went out on Steam. Because <laughs> um, Steam is a great platform for distribution. That's um, the only reason Torchlight exists, honestly, or anybody ever heard of it. Really? Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, we did some sales outside of Steam, but it was like nothing, nothing. Steam is easily responsible for Torchlight, anybody even knowing what it is. How did you, how did you end up developing that environment, that, that plot, that ecosystem for Torchlight? For Torchlight? Um, so That's not a- your only one, I should say. I just want to... Yeah, we'll kind of like get, we'll compress it down as much as I can. Um, it was a studio that... I co-started with some other folks after uh, Flagship Studios. 
which made Hellgate shut down. I was kind of like a, already a satellite office for them working on some side projects. And we had been making a, you know, sort of MMO that was very Diablo-like action adventure. And lots of the people who made Diablo were there. Um, so uh, Torchlight was kind of like, okay, we're going to, we, we got to get back on and keep making what we were making after Flagship Studios disappeared. And Torchlight was the game that we made. We had like 11 months to do it. Um, and we did it. So most of the thought was it was uh, it was melding some stuff from a game I made before called Fate, which I made, which is a bunch of people played on their parents' Dell laptops or whatever. But it was it was basically kind of like accessible 3D Diablo. Um, so most of it was just how how do we quickly do that? That sounds lame, but a lot of it is just you know necessity is the mother of an invention, and we we put this thing together. And then Torchlight Two, which is probably what most people played. Um, was the, okay, now we've got a little more time and we actually have income. So we'll do this with multiplayer and we'll do it right and we'll do it bigger and we'll take more time. Um, I think the team for Torchlight 1 was like, there were like 15 of us total. Um, and I think we made it up to like 30 for two. Wow. And you still, I mean, even though obviously you have, you have other things that you're doing, you still have some connection um, in the gaming world, right? I, know I still own it. a company. It still exists. Um, the last <laughs> games I made were Rebel Galaxy and Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Um, and that was, for the first game, it was a two-person studio. It was just me and my partner, Eric Schaefer, who was the, um, the lead designer on Diablo 2. And uh, then after that, we got up to Whopping 5 for Rebel Galaxy Outlaw. Um, basically, on, uh, a couple of artists and an animator. And... The, I mean, those games still exist. They're still for sale, but I don't actively develop software right now. Um, so the company exists. I hit okay. the yes, I want to go on sale button on Sony or Nintendo or or Steam or whatever when it's sale time. But yeah. it basically yeah. just is there. You ever think you'll go back in some form or another? No. Never, no. never. I kind of did what I wanted to do. So games were good to me, and I enjoyed a lot of my time doing it, but it's a very punishing industry. Mm -hmm. um, and it becomes more so over time. And I, I think you probably have noticed that the window for existence for games is infinitesimal because yeah. there's so many games, and overall, the quality is really high now. Used to, yeah. if a good game was rare, mostly they were trash because just even getting a polygon on a screen or right. getting your blitter to go fast enough that it would run on your you know, 386 was a real challenge. So that filtered a lot of people out. Now you can make something with Unity or Unreal, and you can put together a good-looking game that is objectively good, and lots of people can. So making one that is outstanding, that and people will remember was released a week later, is actually really difficult at this point. Um, and the culture of games is a hard one to, be, to marinate in for a long period of time. It's really caustic, because... Um, I, there's a weird kind of more and more over time there's a very adversarial relationship between gamers and developers which is unfortunate um where I, it, it just seems to be the way that it's gone it gets it's gotten pretty toxic versus the way it used to be i still remember like the enthusiast days when we were all just so happy that any of it worked that it felt like mostly everybody was on the same team um and, but that's that's been a while ago Back when people actually typed in programs on mag from magazines, you know, and yes. we were closer to the yes. experience of making games than they are now. Now they're very, it's a, it's a much bigger market. More people are buying games. So it's well beyond like the enthusiast stage, but there's a lot of things that come along with that. So um, 
Somebody asked me what it was like to make a game, and I said, well, just take millions of dollars, put them on a table, light them on fire, and when they burn, <laughs> when they burn away completely, just pray that a new stack of millions of dollars appears on the table, because oh that's basically God. how it works. I watched, I, you, you know of No Man's Sky. I watched mm -hmm. when No Man's Sky came out, and just how that was, a, that was like the quintessential caustic environment, where oh, man. these yeah. people had developed this game, and the gamers just were... Awful, awful. Well, all credit to them for weathering it and continuing to yeah. work on their game. I have a lot of respect for what they've pulled off with No Man's Sky over the years. Um, yeah. All that just, it just takes a toll though, right? And eventually I found out I don't actually have to live this way. I said it was kind of like Stockholm Syndrome when I got out of games and started doing audio, but yeah. I was like, I don't actually have to live this way. I did it. Wow. I made games. I got some joy out of doing it. I made some games people liked. I can, I can be done. I can go do a different thing now where the relationship with the people who consume what I make is very, very different. Um, it, I get to ship like every week now, as opposed to once every couple of years. Right. And when I ship, it's nice. It's like, I put out the book and if people like it, great. And if they don't, maybe they put one star on it, but then they get on with their lives and they forget about it completely. They don't yeah. haunt me on a bulletin board or right. mount a petition for me to change the audio book or try and dox me. They're just like, oh, I didn't like that audiobook. I'm on with my life. Yeah. Because it's just a different scale of consumption and a different scale of relationship. It's very, it's also, I think just book people are, I'm going to use the word again, nice. Book people are nice. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you've been really gracious with your time and we've, this has been really cool. So we, one more absolutely necessary question. All right. Realizing this is probably sometime in the future. Okay. No pressure. Got to write your second book first. <laughs> when are you going to open a coffee shop? Oh gosh, I, I, you don't ever have to. I don't ever have to. Um, I just want to, I want to be a, I want to be a, I just want to be a patron of a coffee shop. I want somebody else to open one really close to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a coffee shop on my hill. This is the reason that I have a Terra Cafe now. Um, if I want to go to coffee, I have to go elsewhere, which is nice. I mean, I like the journey and the ritual of going, but uh -huh. I just want someone else to open up the perfect one near me. Yeah, that's totally fair. Okay. It's a very, I don't know, obviously I don't want anyone to, because we don't want to dox you in the middle of our recording like this, but Washington, I know, because I work for a company out of the Seattle area, there's a lot of different, everyone thinks, well, it's Starbucks and nothing else. Mm -mm. If you don't live in that Party area, hops. there's a yeah. lot. Of, oh, no, there's no. a couple, there's some coffee shop names that I've heard that when I get out there, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to go out there and work. I'm just going to traverse the different little coffee shops that are around the area and live in a perpetual caffeine high. Um, sorry softball stupid question but um you said you like good coffee you said you like a bad coffee what's your favorite um i like a it's called a mezzo mezzo and it's basically it's got a little bit of uh granulated brown sugar that's caramelized in the bottom with uh an americano and then one shot of espresso and Ooh. then a little bit of steamed milk oh interesting you're gonna hear me type because i'm writing that down it's just, that's like the perfect, because you get two shots. It's a little bit bigger in scale because you get kind of that Americano. It's got a little yep. bit more water to it. You just get a little bit of sweetness from that. Usually they kind of like steam the, the brown sugar, but it works fine with simple syrup or whatever. And then you just got that little bit of, of steamed milk on the top. So it's not over, it's not so creamy like a latte. Yeah, yeah. Still more dominantly coffee, just a little bit of sweetness. So it's not like I'm having candy, but yeah, still tastes like coffee. Yeah, that's what I like. See, I, I'm sorry. That was the that was the silly. I tend to be the no. Silly this is a question. totally legitimate 
totally but also, question. I will just take, you know, the Keurig, you know, crappy coffee <laughs> with like a dash of like vanilla silk on it too. That's that. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity coffee person, but if I have my druthers or it's a nice occasion, that's what I want. I want a mezzo mezzo. My, uh, my line is I'm, I'm partial to an Americano. I really, um, and you know, when we travel abroad as a family, we, um, I, I go out of my way to mix in, right. You know, um, the, who was it? Uh, uh, Ralph Lewis Stevenson, right. Only the, only the traveler is foreign. Right. So it's like, okay, this is their place. We melt here, but I still ask for, you know, whatever the equivalent of an Americano is because yeah. it just hits this. And I know they, they are justified in rolling their eyes, but I, I love it even though I don't, even though I don't typically order it here because yeah. it takes time. Um, my line is when we're over at my wife's parents and their idea of coffee is Folgers. Yeah. And I'll drink that, but oh. it's not my favorite. Yeah, I'm more of a Hills Brothers guy, but go ahead. There it is. Okay. Wow. New band. Wow. You know, we got to get all the <laughs> yeah. little, Taka. At least they're not, at least it's not Sanka, man. That's what I thought so. coffee was, you know, until I got older and there were other options. And then, you know, like your gateway when, at least when I was in college, is all the, you know, super over sugared stuff you get at like a Starbucks. And then it's like, yep. you start peeling it away. It's kind of like having liquor. Like you first, you get turned 21 and you have something that has like, a whole bunch of ingredients in it. But by the time you're oh. like in your thirties, it's just whiskey. You know, you kind of <laughs> peeled away all of the inessentials and you boiled it down to what you actually wanted. Um, and coffee for me, I think was the same way. That's hilarious. That's wow. Talk about a 40 something discussion. That just hits it right on the head. My God. I am, Chat, I am oh literally holding, I'm holding back. I've been holding yeah. back because I could talk about this kind of stuff, the gaming and the, the audio books. Oh yeah. And, you know? Oh, it, it's also interesting. Yeah. The oh. best coffee I ever had is still in Italy. I went to Italy once for a very delayed honeymoon. And yeah. just a straight espresso in Italy is still the best coffee I've ever had. That's what I've heard. Never, never reproduced. It was just incredible. Um, but, you know, I guess it's just a reason to go back. <laughs> That's right. Well, and That's I love right. Americano, too. And I mean, obviously, it was oh. it was developed as an insult. You know, because we could, because yeah. the soldiers couldn't drink espresso, so they watered it down and called watered it, it down for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. my my problem is, I love an espresso, but I want a full cup of coffee. Yeah, you want it to last exactly. This is why I like a mezzo mezzo because yeah. you get the volume, but it's yeah. got a stronger coffee flavor, and then just a little bit of frillies. Mm -hmm. The, the mm -hmm. brown sugar thing is fast. That that that's something that I'm starting to see. Goodness, we've gone off track. Um, mm -mm. That I've seen even with the track. major. This is yeah, totally with the major. Yeah. Well, now I'm talking about the major. Even the major coffee chains that we get around here are throwing brown sugar in coffee, and everyone's all gaga for it because it's new. It's yeah. different. So well, I will say, being in the Minneapolis area or St. Paul, as everyone on this side of the river calls it, um, you know, it we have a phenomenal coffee house culture here now right it's like a legit coffee city where you can just get i mean it's just everywhere and like we we don't do anything fancy like you do travis in terms of machine but um but like i still religiously grind my beans every couple mornings with a burr grinder you know and and even That's just be great you're already expending way more effort than i do so i have great respect for you uh, it, you know it's it's <laughs> two minutes every few evenings but it makes a world of difference even in a drip I bet. Um, and I bet. and you, yeah. 
lot I think of we're, we're used to a different type of coffee. My brother lives in Uruguay and would bring back bags yeah. of Uruguayan coffee. And I'm like, this is the best stuff ever. And the running joke was it was their version of Folgers. Um, oh, so I didn't yeah. know that till about eight years in where his wife told me, he goes, you realize that he's punking you. Yeah, no, he's yet bringing you this phenomenal coffee, it and it's yeah. it's literally in the red bag. It looks like Folgers. I had so, some friends who got into roasting their own beans for a while. They would get shipped in bags of the green yep, you know, yep. beans, and then they would roast them. I want to say they were using something like a popcorn maker so, to do it. I, I, I maybe could, that's wrong. No, you no, you could. But, I've done it a few times uh, for a birthday. However many years past, my brother got me. There must be a name for it, and I don't know. He got me a traditional Korean ceramic coffee roasting pot, which is just mm. this little handheld thing. And then it turned out that a regional roaster sold the be- their beans green for yep. like a pittance, uh, but because that's really hard to get here in the city. But but down from Duluth, you could order it. Okay, um, a the house smells funky great if you do yeah. that. Um, I don't know how, because you really had to use both of those words. Really, yeah. big, smells pretty great. I mean, it smells, it's intense. And if yes, you don't like it. coffee. Um, like coffee, it's not going to be appealing <laughs> It's not <now>. great. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, and I, but it, it was cool. I don't know if it was a successful or a failed attempt. Right. Um, but Did I, you it drink was, it? Oh, yeah. Every time I gave some to my parents, I think their lack of response was maybe an indication. But still. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed it. It was very distinct and it, but it was fun. Like here's the first pop. Here's the second pop. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, this actually, this actually works. But again, so, that's super labor intensive. So I think we found out that Jason yeah. will not be the roaster for the legends and lattes. Blend. No, no, I will be sitting in the coffee shop <laughs> ordering that with my scone. Yeah. 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 So I think we've come, I think at least one we've thing come that come up. Yeah, we've come. Well, I think at least we, we know coming out of this that uh, we're going to be pushing for a new coffee blend and to reach out to you. Yes. We can, you know, if people oh, yeah. go to, to your website, we'll have that. So folks can Put stickers see stickers on other things. Get the yes. Thing. Put stickers there you on. go. I've got a ton of co-ops around here. So stickers. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you for the time. We could keep you on much thank longer. So much. We've thank only you. scratched the surface. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do it again sometime if you want to. It's really fun to talk. Oh, so. we would yeah. love it. Thank you so much, and thank you for such a fun book. And 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 I mean this in a no pressure sort of way. Congratulations and and best wishes for number two. It's going to be great. Don't sweat it. People are eager. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm yeah. going to do my darndest. <laughs> Thanks so much, Travis. Thank you. All right. What what a neat chance to talk to Travis. Uh, As Brad said before the interview, we are both so pleased to learn de facto that he will be coming out before too much longer, we hope, with book two. And I especially liked what he said, that it's not so much a sequel as it's taking place in the same world with a little bit of overlap, like very Becky Chambers-ish, if you ask me, right? Yeah. There are these different things. But let's walk over to the GM corner and see what we're doing. Yeah. What, what's been on your table? Oh, goodness. Um, I think we just we just got talking about the um, the high fantasy thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle while we're on the – because we always talk about not doing it. Um, I've been fascinated. I've talked about this before. We're going to talk about it more later. Yeah. I'll have more info probably yeah. after the next episode. Um, the one ring, the second edition, 
I'm now, trying I, really hard not to buy it right now. <laughs> I well, I bought the first edition at half price books. Oh, nice. The intro set some time ago, multiple years ago, and I see it right here on my shelf right there. And I picked up a couple of the source books when they were really cheap on Amazon or yeah, at half yeah. price. If I, on the rarity they came up, I don't yeah. have a full set by any stretch. Um, and then they lost the license. The company that originally, I think it was Cubicle ah, Seven. I okay. I, I don't want to quote them. It's it's a company. I I don't want to pull the shelf. It's something. Out and make a mess. Yeah. Yeah. So Free League Publishing came out and acquired the license and mm-hmm. kickstarted the second edition. And um, it's been out there for a while. We've known about it. This isn't anything that's brand spanking new. You know, yeah, in the past yeah. couple of weeks, but um, I finally got around to it because we've been talking Tolkien. Um, I pronounce that incorrectly. I know. No, I think um, it's right. I'm trying to catch Tolkien. Tolkien. Yeah. Tolkien. I, I yeah. Just, I, I think I, I, I emphasize and add kind of an EA in there. We should probably that. be saying it with a British accent to really nail it, but you only do Irish solo. Mode. I only do Irish. Yeah. yeah. And if I try Scottish, I, I sound like a bad character from Austin Powers. So, um, well, I'm it's your bag, baby. It. Yeah. 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 It's not my bag, really. <laughs> um, but they, they have a source book which is, I will be perfectly honest with you, really well done and independent okay. of the content. And you and I yeah. like to talk about the aesthetics of a book too. Yes. This one has a, has a page ribbon. It is really well bound and really well done. They also have a, um, and that's where I make the noise, the starter set. And the oh. starter set, I, I, again, not a knock on others. Everyone does their own way. This is one of the, most i'm trying to think of other starter sets that we might have had this one is even uh more well done than others that i've seen like you open the the first of all the, the box is done it has almost like a mini dm uh, or oh, gm that's it's like a screen it's like a in in the lid of the that, box yeah yeah and then it comes with a very small of like a 42 page rules guide. I'm pointing these because Jason hasn't necessarily seen. No, this I yet. haven't seen any of this yet. It has the adventures book. And just Brad's, this isn't very helpful to all of you guys, but Brad's holding these up at the camera and, and the production. I mean, these look like really beautifully printed and produced. Uh, yeah. You are not helping me. This hold is, on this to is my the money. Shire. This is oh. the Shire. Wait, are you showing me the starter set? This is the starter set. This is okay. all in the starter set. Oh man. Um, it comes with its own set of dice. It comes with um, cards. And then at the bottom, it has its own um, different look at cards for the different weaponry. Ah, okay. And um, I didn't even, I didn't even pull this out yet, but, or I shouldn't show you. Here's another, the, the bottom of it has a map. Yeah. Bottom of the box. Mm-hmm. And then inside here, it has the character sheets. Like here's Bilbo Baggins. Well, hobbits are peace loving folks, you know. They're never yeah. in a hurry and they so, take things. Slow. And then and then a very large map right here. Full that is map. that is a heck of a starter set. This is now it, I will be honest with you. Ooh. You know, you can go out and get like the D D or the Pathfinder starter sets for twenty to thirty bucks, I think. Yeah, I'm looking Sometimes online right less. now. This is easily twice that. Yeah, this is like 30, 40, something maybe. I'm seeing forty one ninety on Amazon, which is probably the lowest you're gonna find it. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be cheaper direct on the site, but then you have to pay shipping. And I and I don't necessarily think Free League is, I mean, gonna care if you pick it up wherever it is for any of you out there listening. Yeah, no, no, I'm just I think if you're a token fan, wow. Um the idea of playing 
without like your traditional orb wielding magic users and um, things like that. It, it didn't intrigue me for a long time. Yeah. But as we have gone through this podcast over the past year plus together, the idea of playing in a fantasy world that is, that is less magic air quote oriented, you know? Oh, interesting. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be middle earth, but the idea of even playing in middle earth, not as necessarily a main character, but think about all the different times. Think about the times that we haven't, we've, we can read, but, um, the new Amazon prime show that's coming out, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have all sorts it's of coming. new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so, so, that, me, so point mm-hmm. being is, is that I've, I've just started looking through it. Yeah. That's I have beautiful. found it to be one of the most, um, well done starter sets in terms of pr- just whole, all over the production. production and the deet and then the material you very easily could start playing. Okay. In the interest of time, I'm going to forfeit my GM corner bit. I'm curious. I would rather talk about this for a few more minutes. What's the dice mechanic like? You you mentioned in the past that it's different. It's definitely not 5e. Yeah, there's, they have, it's, it's feet and success rate. So in ironically, it even says on here, Mm -hmm. uh, it uses D12. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, there is a D12 component to as this. As you dig and, into the box, that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking because I yeah, want to no, go grab the dice. Because there's, yeah. I like, I like to, when I, we talk about this kind of stuff, having the to see ability it, right. to be tactile right. helps me. But even the dice in here, they feel wooden. They look wooden. Oh, um, look at that. Yeah. And if, and and everybody for, who's listening, so you can't see this because, you know, it's a podcast. But, yeah. but, Digging for the dice in the box and the starter set, Brad just pulled out multiple printed material and then held up the dice and um and well, needless to say, I have it in my cart and um we'll be talking after we record. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is like here. I'll I'll I'm better than oh, me man. explain it. Ultimately, the ring makes use of a specialized set of dice, and really, what they mean by that is mm-hmm. it's not like narrative dice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. You know, you use um, six-sided dice, which are success, and okay. then 12-sided dice, which are called, which are the feet dice. So, and, you know, literally, okay, in the essence of time, yeah. um, if you look at this, if people who have this, um, ultimately, you're choosing your ability, you're running your skill and combat roles, um, and then um, each feat that you decide to do, if you do a feat, yeah. Um, you know, you roll that and there's also, um, actually I should say there's probably a little bit of a specialized dice component to it because to some of the symbols on it, but, it, but, but it sounds fairly straightforward, not overly, yeah, it is not, complex. it is not an overly difficult. It reminds me a little bit of, um, what's the way to put this with some symbols on it. It's a little yeah. mix of narrative and a little mix yeah. of, um, the fantasy age, the age dice system for my friends at Green Running. Yeah, yeah. So a little mix of both, but point being, um, I have it downstairs. I haven't taken it up to my reading desk, my reading chair yet, because I have some other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. 
I, I want to read more about this. The mm-hmm. dice, it just reminds me the feats and successes and all that. There's yeah. just a bit of an age feel to nice. it, which I like yeah. the age yeah. dice mechanic. Sounds like an amalgam I, of different systems. Yeah. And you know, what's yeah. funny is, is that now we think about it. You, I wasn't prepared to talk about the dice mechanic. Yeah. I project well. about this, but, but here's the funny thing is, is that I'm really digressing and breaking the fourth wall. Um, now I'm sad for myself because that's usually that used to be the first thing the that first we talk about we, with any yeah, system. I know. yeah, but you know what? In all fairness, and I thank you for the initial review. With all fairness, you were attracted to this game because it actually takes place in Tolkien's Middle Earth. And so you've been looking at this narratively. And like you said, you haven't brought it upstairs yet. You haven't dug deeply into it. You've given it a cursory look. The I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this game again. Yeah. Yeah, more than likely. I'm going to keep it off of, um, for next week's episode, I'm going to keep it off the radar and, yeah. or I'm going to keep it off of the discussion um, mm-hmm. in terms of GM corner for me because I want some time with it. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. there's then, some other things that I'm working on that I'll talk about next That'll week, give but. me time to order it. Exactly. Yeah. And time to hide it. From, and high time to. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Exactly. exactly. On that note, everybody, thanks as always for being here. Luckily, with luckily, us. No, no, luckily none of our our yes. relatives ever listen to any of us. No, and by relatives so, we mean wives. So yeah, uh, or anybody we, we're related to, as far as I know. As 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 far as I know too. That's because yeah. they all have better judgment. So exactly. Thank you for being with us. Um. Uh. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Travis even half as much as we did. Uh. Rest assured, when his second book comes out, if not sooner, we will be having him back. Be well. Stay well. We will see you next week. <laughs>